0: Check out Heritage Network.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's HeritageRadio Network.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Osiris. Welcome to Wheels Off, a show about the messy reality of the creative life. I'm Rhett Miller. It ain't got wheels off. And Robbie Krieger joined the Doors in 1965 as a 19 year old kid. He wrote Light My Fire, along with a catalog of brilliant songs that you know by heart, that we all know by heart. Robbie Krieger has a new memoir out called Set the Night on Fire that stands apart from other rock and roll memoirs because of the kindness with which he approaches his own story, his memories, the feuds with his bandmates, the misportrayals of Hollywood and other books that have come out over the years. He is a deep thinker. He's a very chill guy. And all of that comes across in this interview. I'm so grateful that I got to speak with him for Wheels Off. And I highly recommend that you either read or listen to, or both, Robbie Krieger's new memoir, Set the Night on Fire. Such a good dude. Such an interesting guy. It was tricky making the... The recording work of the Zoom, you know, it's lining up schedules and then the technology. I think throughout, you may hear a beeping in the background of where he is. I never really pressed him on it because it had been so hard just getting everything to come together to begin with. (laughs) So you may not notice it. It may drive you crazy. I don't think it will be the latter. I think it's pretty low key. Robbie Krieger is great. And I'm so honored to get to speak to him. A life in rock and roll, unlike any lived by anyone else I can even think of. Like, uh, who else is Robbie Krieger? You kidding me? This guy's incredible. And he's on Wheels Off. So please welcome to Wheels Off, the great Robbie Krieger. Welcome to Wheels Off, Robbie Krieger. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, No problem. This is so great for the edification of our listeners. Where are you right now? Uh, I'm I'm uh, home
2: in L.A. I uh, just got back from New York, where we did some shows. Oh, very cool. Where Where did you play in New York? Well, um, in New York City, uh, at the Sony Hall. It's called. Nice. I don't know if you've ever been there, but uh, <laughs> it's this weird place. It's like underground, like. Two stories underground but it's a big theater it's kind of kind of cool
1: that sounds pretty cool um i really appreciate you taking the time i i should tell you that um i loved your book so much it was so well written and so thoughtful and man it really it it gave me all sorts of you know feelings i gotta say i i I found Mm -hmm. myself getting choked up and teary-eyed more than once it was Really beautifully done.
2: Wow, that's cool. Thanks so much.
1: Um, Boy, uh, so I always begin these conversations by wondering what it is, uh, what creative project are you working on at the moment, and how does it light you up?
2: Well, we're just starting to play some shows right now, and um, we're going to play the whiskey for the first time in in a couple of years uh, next week. Or in December fourth actually. And um we're I'm doing some uh we're we're putting out a new uh, LA Woman box set because it's the 50th anniversary of that. Wow. And uh, I also have an album coming out. It's um it's kind of reggae, instrumental, instrumental reggae album. Wow. It's, it's- called Box versus Uh, versus dub,
1: that's crazy. You, you in the book, you spent some time in Jamaica back in the day. Is it a place you've visited a lot over the years?
2: Um, yeah, I've been there a few times. Um, I love Jamaica, yeah, mainly for the music. Sure, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it was kind of crazy when we first went there. It was right after the Miami thing, you know? Yeah, it uh, seemed like that was was a seminal trip. (laughs) Yeah, we were supposed to be going on tour, right? On a tour right after that. So we did the Miami thing. Everything was fine. Nobody got arrested. Uh, The cops were upstairs having beers with us, in fact. so then we went to Jamaica just for a few days just to hang out before the tour. And uh, we get back, and we hear no more tour. Jim got uh, charged with uh, all these felonies, and so uh, that was that was a surprise,
1: yeah, hearing that story and the way that that the fallout from that Miami gig. Um and the trumped up charges and all that it, it seemed like that was you know that was like a really um pivotal moment in the band and and even in for jim I mean it seemed like that was must have been a hard thing for all of you guys to to weather the that insane stupid thing yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah it was maybe meant to be, but I don't know, I mean you know. It- he probably would have pulled his pants down if uh, <laughs> if our road manager hadn't been holding <laughs> right behind him, holding his pants up. But, uh, but it never happened. You know, that's the point. Yeah.
1: Well, it's amazing that you've got all this new music coming out and uh, that's obviously you're not resting on your laurels. I wonder for you to go back to the whiskey, a stage that you've got such a history with, you know, all these years later, is it just, does does it feel like ghosts when you go back there or is it just a place that you've worked over the years so many times it's just like going back to it? It's pretty regular.
2: Yeah. yeah I mean, I've I played there an average of once every couple of years, you know. Uh, so it's not like a real nostalgic or anything, but it's still cool, you know. It's um uh, they got one of my paintings hanging in there. And uh, it's, you know, it's obviously the place where we started and that and, uh, was the beginning of our career. So it's kind of, you know, known as The Doer's Place.
1: Can you tell me a little about the the book and how it came together and what it was like for you to write it and revisit it? Because like I said, I've read a handful of these rock memoirs and I feel like yours was a lot more thoughtful, and and I just really, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was m- m- more well done than most of these.
2: Oh, thanks so much. Appreciate that.
1: Yeah, I I had
2: read a bunch of them too, and um, I just wanted it to be different. Um, you know, I actually started writing it about twenty five years ago, um, when John and Ray had written their books. But then what happened was, uh, you know, those two books made a lot of problems between the three of us and uh, ended up with a lawsuit and all that stuff. So I just kept putting it off.
1: In a way, maybe it was cool that you waited a while to do it because you were able to not only sort of address all, all the books and movies that had come out and give your own side of the story but it was kind of sweet that you had this perspective where you in a lot of ways were able to you know put a lot of the negativity to rest I thought that was really cool the way you handled it all
2: Uh, yeah I think yeah you're right I I maybe it was better that I waited you know so I, I think it all worked out for the best
1: um, it's, it, you talk a lot about it in the book and, and I'm, I'm hoping obviously that our, our listeners all go out and read it or listen to the audio book, which by the way, I listened to the audiobook and it was super well done. Uh, though the problem was that it, it, you're missing all the great pictures unless you figure out Correct. the PDF situation, <laughs> but, but, you know, I wonder, cause you got, you did get such a young start. I wonder, do you, um, Can you pinpoint a moment where you knew that you were going to make a life in music or in rock and roll for you? Was there like an epiphany moment early on?
2: Um, I think, I think it was when I was in high school and, um, you know, I was, I was uh, having, you know, playing guitar most of the time, you know, in school rather than studying. But, uh, (laughs) And we formed this jug band, you know, and, and uh just uh I just love music and I, at one point I was I was with this girlfriend and I said, you know what, I'm gonna be a musician and and she said, Really? You really believe that? I go, Yep. Yeah. And that was it. <laughs> I couldn't break that promise.
1: I have a couple of teenage kids, and they, they would say that you were manifesting. That's the big word they use now, you were manifesting. What does that mean? I don't know. I think it's when you say something to the universe, and it becomes real because you said it.
2: Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, that could be. Um, <laughs> that, that's actually in the book, so.
1: Yeah, I I love that. Well, I mean it's it's such a fascinating story because you know I it's I just spoke to a novelist the other day who didn't um put out her first novel till she was into her 40s and then here you were you you know already had um a massive rock and roll career by the time you were 25 or whatever like you you know I I wonder looking back on it does does the youth seem like it was uh, a necessary part of the equation? Does it seem like it was something where you wished in a way you'd been a little older so you could appreciate it more or just it is what it is? Like, what was it like to be so young when it was all happening?
2: Well, I never thought of that. Um, I mean, it just seemed uh, normal to me, you know, at the time. I, I mean, looking back, I was 19 when I wrote to uh, light my fire. It's Amazing. <laughs> yeah and uh you know maybe i do wish i was older because uh it was you know after jim passed away it was really tough to to keep going and not just give it up and say hey i'm just going to do something else you no know, we had no idea that 50 years later people would still be into the
1: doors Boy, it really is a testament to the music, right? And and it's funny reading, because um, I, I you know I spoke with John um, uh, for Wheels Off, and it was interesting. But but to hear y- your stories about writing all these songs, um, as a songwriter myself, I just feel like that's such a magical thing. And I and I love the way you describe it in in the book. Um, and I'm I'm obviously I'm glad that you stuck with it and now to be doing it and putting out new records all these years later, does it still feel like it's the same thing to write us, to sit down and write a song?
2: Uh, I think so. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, obviously it was a lot, a lot easier when, when you have Jim Morrison has a song, he's a songwriter guy with you, but uh, yeah, it's uh you know, it's like something you have to keep doing, you know. Sure. So you write songs?
1: Oh, yeah. So I I, I sing in, in a band. This is my main thing. I Apparently, at some point a few years ago, it became obligatory that everyone in entertainment has to host a podcast. And they told me that. Uh-huh. <laughs> but <laughs> I I I only do this because I love the idea of talking to, to creative people about how they do it, how they get through the weird stuff, which is which is one thing I really loved about your book um is that you're really uh candid about you know the the stuff you went through, about your own mental health, about you know the hardships that you dealt with, not even just external but like the internally generated stuff, which is the thing that in these wheels off conversations is the thing that I find the most illuminating is how people confront their internally generated obstacles, right? Like the stuff that the stories we tell ourselves to keep ourselves down or the the negative voices in our head. And um, I really appreciated how you talked about that in the the book. And I wonder if you could just describe for our listeners, when you run into that kind of negative interior stuff, what have you figured out over the years uh, in terms of strategies to get through that? past it
2: hmm. well um i don't know for for me it's just what else would i do <laughs> you know i uh, don't know how to do anything else <laughs> <Okay>. so, <laughs> and uh to me it's it's just uh it's always fun and uh it's uh you know and it's fun to write with other people and uh although you know like i said it's tough to to beat uh, writing with jim morrison but uh you know i've uh, i've found quite a few other other writing friends that that really help, you know so uh it's uh, something i just uh, wouldn't ever stop doing
1: Um, you talk about, and this comes up a lot with when I talk with creative folks, you talked about your early, uh, experiences with meditation and, um, as, as a way of sort of just dealing with the noise in your head, is that something that's still a part of your life and routine?
2: Yeah, I I do it almost every day still. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, I don't expect to reach, uh, samadhi or whatever it is in your particular religion but but i think uh it's uh it just feels like a natural thing to me to go back it's like going back to the roots you know because when you meditate you you hopefully communicate with the with the uh, cosmos and uh you go back to the beginning. That's what it is. And uh, otherwise, you're just floating out there with no, no connection to the, uh, to the, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, to God or to uh, uh, what Maharishi
1: used to call it, the unified field or the the one. Yeah that type of thing. yeah. Do you, it comes up a lot, the idea that what we do on stage or when we're writing songs is similar to um, meditation or even maybe like an active meditation in and of itself. Do you find that when you play guitar, when you stand on a stage, when you write a song, does it correlate? Does it kind of feel like you're meditating or in a state like that?
2: Uh, yeah, definitely. Um and it's the same one when, when you're playing golf. Which, <laughs> that's right. do a lot. You know, the, be- the best, when you play the best, it's like, it's kind of automatic. You know, you don't get in your own way. And that's, uh, that, that's kind of easy to do, you know, if you're not paying attention. So, yeah, like in music, you just, you got to put it on automatic pilot. And, you know, not think too much, you know, it's the same with meditation teaches you to do that, I think.
1: It's funny, I like in Set the Night on Fire, when you talk about how in the the Doors songs, you would always um, leave one section that was, I forget what you call it, like the open-ended section or the, like there was no map, like there was going to be a section where you were just going to figure it out in that moment. And uh, and that you describe it never never being the same. I love that. I think that's that's really cool. Obviously, that's important to you, right? That kind of openness.
2: Yeah, yeah, um, you know. I I know all these guys that are in these Doors tribute bands. Two, uh, two, two of which are are roadies our, uh, when we go out and play the Doors stuff. And they're always saying, hey, you didn't play that solo right, you know? You didn't. And I go, hey, man, it was never the same every time. It was always different, you know? And uh, they just don't understand that.
1: So funny. I love that. <laughs> and you still do, right? When you're doing this stuff, it's always like you have a section where you get to just make a whole new thing every every night, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: You know, and a lot of times I'll try to do the, you know, the the signature licks or whatever. Yeah. But uh, then, then I go off on a different uh, plane, and uh, I don't, I don't know if people love it or hate it. But, (laughs) but to me, if it was the same exact thing every night, I would just it would be boring.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I wonder. You know, this is. I feel like there's already just been a lot of great wisdom in in this conversation we've had, and certainly, set the night on fire is chock full of. I feel like really actionable, good stuff, useful wisdom. But I wonder if you would mind sort of distilling some of this wisdom for us. Um, in the uh, if you were to run into a 21 year old version of Robbie Krieger, but in today's world. Uh, what advice do you think you might give yourself?
2: Um, maybe don't get married so early. <laughs> <laughs> I've been with my wife for, now, for 50 years. We just had our 50th.
0: Congratulations.
2: Accent. Yeah, so it worked out but it took a while to even things out you know um and uh maybe i i don't i don't know i mean i'm kind of glad i uh, you know often i think oh i should have learned to read music you know when i was younger and uh i'm actually kind of glad i didn't because i think that helped me write songs because you know I know so much more about music now that it's harder to, you know, you you write something and you say, oh, that's too simple, you know. I should have used some other, you know, fancier chords or something like that. But back then I was just, I didn't know anything, so everything was new, you know.
1: Boy, you describe one of the songs, I'm trying to think if it was, um, light my fire, there's a chord progression and you go through it in the book where you're breaking all these rules, right? You're, you're, you're doing all these things. Um, Maybe, right. you'll re- right. maybe it was, was it light my fire? Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and, and it's what you're describing. And I, and I totally agree with this. I remember learning the circle of fifths and being mad, wishing I'd never learned, you know, whatever that kind of thing, but yeah. the the way you describe it is so great, right? Like you You broke like every rule and used every chord that you weren't supposed to. But how great was I mean, you know, as George Draculli has always told me, you can't argue with you can't argue with the sales. Like the song turned out great and rules be damned.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, the first thing I wrote on Light My Fire was the uh, what is now the intro, which has you know, which has Ray doing the uh, the box stuff. You know, mm-hmm. well before he did the box stuff, I had these chords, and it was I just wanted to use all the crazy chords that I never would think of using, just for fun. You know, so it was like uh, okay, G, D, F, uh, B flat, E flat, A flat, A. You know whoever uses those chords together and and so when Ray heard it, he uh you know it, it was it was just a way to get out of the solo back into the song, you know, and he didn't have any of that of that box stuff on it yet, so that took you know months and months of playing it every night, and he would add a little bit here a little bit there, and you know in the movie they show him saying, okay, you guys go out to the beach while I write this, you know, and took him half an hour. Yeah. It wasn't like that.
1: Yeah. I thought you, I thought you were pretty even handed and kind, like, you know, throughout the book, but especially in your description of the movie, but I did appreciate that you were able to point out, cause I do think it's important to demystify to, to folks. Like it's not, like it is in movies and if kids are starting a band right now they might feel like they could never be the doors because they can't do a half an hour and come up with what ray came up with on that song but what you're saying right now is so useful i hope kids know that right
2: yeah for sure i mean it takes you know we were very lucky because we we were able to play every night for months uh and develop those songs you know where so many bands today will play maybe once a week and and uh if they're lucky and uh and then they try to make an album and you know they have to make most of the stuff up during recording, which is not easy,
1: yeah, or build it on a pro tools session yeah <laughs> oh man well i i I think it's so cool. I really think that your your life in rock and roll and and the way that you described it in the book i just think it's really a generous thing and i i i hope everybody goes out and reads it because it's uh, it's more than just about your life in the doors it's it's you know it's a really thoughtful book i've got a you know, you, you have a, a son as well i've got um my son reads a lot of books that are like spirituality books or self self-help kind of books and um i keep wanting to tell him like if you read like a book like set the night on fire or a book, like a really great novel, there's stuff in it where you learn so much and it's not technically called a self-help book, but yeah, there you are.
2: (laughs) So what does wheel self mean?
1: Um, I have a, a friends of mine would always use that as an expression to describe. I think it goes back to some sort of a, like a car race thing. But when, um, the wheels are flying off and the car is falling apart or something like that. It's when things get weird,
2: basically. Uh, uh, Okay. I thought it was more like an airplane thing.
1: Oh yeah. That would be wheels up, which might be better marketing. I've never been great at (laughs) marketing. (laughs) Oh, cool. Cool. well, Robbie, man, I just, I think you're such an inspiration and I love, uh, I love the fact that I've, I've gotten to talk to you and thanks for letting me pick your brain and, Thanks so much. And and like uh, I said, I hope everybody goes and reads the book because it's fucking great. Um, thanks for joining me today. Thanks, on this
2: thanks so much. And i got to give credit to my co-writer, Jeff Alulis, who I probably would never have finished the damn book if it weren't for him. So...
1: Well, if you don't mind my asking, because you you guys took a really cool approach to, of course, I'm restarting the interview now, sorry. Um, You took a really cool approach to the way that you used, like, the chronology of it. Like, you open with, you know, you open, you jump around a lot.
2: Yeah, it's not just uh, chronological. Yeah, we we both kind of talked about that uh, in the beginning, and... um, I was just uh, watching some movie, and which did the same thing, you know. And I always like it when movies do that, where they have a lot of flashbacks, you know, because it does it makes it more interesting to me.
1: It well, it almost makes it like a mystery novel in a way, where you'll tease something, and then you'll go somewhere else for a long time, and then you're the reader is wanting to know, well, what's going to happen with that thing, and then you come back to it chapters <laughs> later.
2: All right. All right. <laughs>
1: It really yeah. works. It's so great. It
2: made it made it more fun to write too.
1: Yeah, man. Well, Robbie, thank you so much. This is great. Good luck with the All new right. Woo! <laughs> All right.
2: Good talking to you, man. You too.
1: Take care, Robbie. Bye. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for listening to Wheels Off. Please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. That helps us appear higher in the search results and lets other folks know that it's a cool podcast to listen to. Also, as the kids say, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else that you listen to shows like this so that you never miss an episode. This has been Wheels Off, and I'm Rhett Miller, encouraging you to create every day. Thanks, y'all.